Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 220 of the Alamo Ottawa podcast, brought to you by the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Republic of Football magazine. This is your host, uh, editor, publisher, producer, whatever, Jared Kalmus, joined for, what is this, the seventh time that we've done a season preview, Age Bermudas. Let's do this, man. Buckle up, baby. We are back in the saddle. It is preview season, season preview. Oh, my goodness. We're going game by game with our official, Jared, our official predictions in the win-loss column. Oh, Oh, my goodness. And then, of course, the audience has every single right to hold our feet to the fire on these predictions and of course you know as the game week by week previews come they might change a little bit but this is our official preseason predictions right i totally forgot that we're picking wins and losses on this <laughs> so any any answer you're getting from me is raw from the gut semi-researched uh but i'll stick with it man i'm, I'm a man of honor and uh i'm not gonna flip-flop on, the way it's gotta uh, be. on these picks man the way it's gotta i mean be. I feel like we have enough info. It's just like, it, it's really, for me, it's really hard to pick a win and a loss when you don't know who the other team's quarterback is going to be. I think for most of these teams that we know, that that's a big thing for me. It's just hard to do it in the preseason in general. I mean, so much changes in the college football yeah. landscape on a week by week basis, man. And and every season, you know, you, we know who the contenders are, but it's so quick for those to shift. And all of a sudden who was a contender is no longer, and then someone you thought was a sleeper, dark horse, now all of a sudden in the mix come week five, week six. And, I mean, things just are crazy. It's a crazy world, the college football landscape. So, look, it is what it is, but we go wild card. Uh, for all you DJs out there, if you want to take these picks to Vegas with you, get on that Bavada Sportsbook. That's terrible you know, advice. So, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it, but – I think some listeners have done it before, so we'll hold it against you. Yep, sounds good. Uh, we'll definitely tweet at us with every single one of these picks that we get wrong. And uh, like Adrian said, hold our feet to the fire. But we can't uh, really tap around this episode because we got to cover 12 games and we don't want this to be a two or three hour podcast. So we're going to keep it rolling uh, and be, you know, up tempo, if you will. Mm. And uh, I don't know, I got I got a little jittery when I started recording because I was like, man, we get, we really got to go through this, and we're really bad <laughs> about being efficient with our time on the podcast. Uh, so yeah. yeah, nervous energy. Uh, you get you get the the first snap juices out. You know, like once you get that first hit in, you're good to go. <laughs> uh, but just like last week, we're gonna break up the the Patreon shoutouts and hopefully have a little better flow uh, to those and uh, just keep us rolling through. So right off the bat, I want to say thank you to our new subscribers that we had since our last episode. Uh, they were instrumental in helping us surpass our 150 subscriber goal for our preseason party, which has now been announced. That will be Friday, September 1st, 9 p.m. at East End Backyard. That's in the Edo neighborhood, uh, right in between downtown Houston, University of Houston campus. It's on the rail line. So if you're staying downtown or near campus, you can take the rail to and from. Uh, we're going to be covering buckets of beer until supplies run out. 
uh maybe after supplies run out too we had some last time we had a party we had some generous donors that uh kept the the bar tab open later than anticipated (laughs) so uh our venmo does remain open if you want to contribute (laughs) to that uh but we'll see you guys out there and thanks to the patreon subscribers for making it happen including our new subscribers jonathan who joins us at the insider tier and our new board of trustees members waterman construction they're a longtime supporter of all things utsa uh, they were one of the first companies to do NIL deals with the football team. Uh, I think they took wow. the offensive line out for steak dinner, if I remember correctly. Uh, great guy, longtime supporter of the podcast, Andrew. And uh, they recently completed an outdoor dining extension at Roadrunner Cafe, which was super cool. So thank That's you so, so cool, much man. to Water. Don't get no more, don't get no more official than that, man. <laughs> We've got official contractors for the university (laughs) now supporting the pod. Unbelievable. Yes, sir. Uh, We had another upgrade. Ryan Squares has joined us at the Board of Trustees tier. Upgrade uh, from the uh, donor tier. So thank you, Ryan, for your long-term support of the podcast. Really appreciate you. Hope uh, hope to see you out at the party next week. Big time. Big time. All right, Adrian, let's start ripping and rolling through these, man. Uh, we did the intro in five minutes. That's pretty good. So we're on track. First up, University of Houston Cougars. Triple OT revenge game for the Roadrunners. Mm. You know, you know, you know, we keep calling this the redemption game, the revenge game. We must avenge the triple overtime loss in the Alamo Dome. However, Jared, Houston could also call this a redemption game. Because as you recall, in 2014, when they opened up their precious TDECU stadium for the inaugural game, UTSA went in there and smacked the dog piss out of Houston. And look, I know that's uh, several eras of Houston Cougar football ago. However, it still remains as a black mark on U of H. And, And U of H fan absolutely remembers that game. So uh, redemption game both ways, I'm going to go ahead and call it. Yeah, I guess so. I'm always like kind of skeptical for like those events that happened before any of the players were on campus, like anyway, factors into their preparation. <laughs> uh, definitely more for the fans. fans. It's more for the, for the fans. fans. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, like what this game comes down to is how, I mean, obviously as close of a matchup as you could have gotten last year. Uh, you know, literally we always joke that we have to mention this play on every podcast, but you know, the 12 men on the field penalty for UTSA that, uh, you know, gave Houston a first down, kept the drive going to end up scoring, sending it over time. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes to triple OT. I mean, it's as close as it could have been, but from there, the, the question I asked myself is like, okay, these teams are super damn equal last year. How did they fare since then? and improving or not improving the program and if yeah i mean adrian just on zoom <laughs> motioned in two different directions and that's kind of how i feel about the cougars i mean they lost a ton they lost a lot of their coaching staff yeah man pretty much all and, of their you know star uh position players on offense right the quarterback clayton, clayton Toon, Toon. star wide receiver take dell uh, they had the the their running back go to the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. So you talk you top that up with a lot of coaching staff changes. You know, you've got um uh, you got a new quarterback coach, passing game coordinator, you got a new offensive line coach, run game coordinator. I mean, this is an offense that is not just in transition, it's in rebuild mode, bro. It is complete rebuild mode. And you know, you could argue that 
U of H, I don't know if regressed is the right word, but they didn't finish last season, I think, as well as everyone thought they were going to. Oh, no, they they super underperformed. I mean, Absolutely. if you think back, I mean, they they were expected to be the group of five New York Six representative last year, and they yeah. felt well short of that. Very much so, very much so. And look, man, not to throw too much at them because the situation that U of H is in right now is going to be very similar to the situation that UTSA will be in come 2024. Absolutely, Adrian. Absolutely. New quarterback, new wide receivers, right? Whole new offense. So look, man, uh, be careful. Uh, But this is a team that is in total reconstruction mode. Dana Holgerson arguably on the hot seat uh, for the coaching staff. And this is a UTSA team that returns all of the veterans, all the same guys that took them to the wire into the third overtime, uh, you know, and a lot of the the, the same guys that, that were on that 12-man <laughs> on the field penalty that that essentially gave UH CPR on the field and resurrected <laughs> them, revived them. So, look, to me, I, I think this is, this is a U of H team that is going to be figuring out a hell of a lot of things in week one. Versus a UTSA team that knows exactly what they need to do, what they're going to do, and how they need to do it, how they're going to do it. No contendere from me, brother. This is a knockout punch from UTSA. We go in oh, there man. and echo 2014 TD UTSA stadium vibes and beat the hell out of U of H that is trying to figure out the new look on offense. Are, are you going a more uh, like a double digit victory for UTSA? A hundred percent, two possessions. Yes. Okay. okay. Um, I'm picking a win for you to say. I'm probably a little bit less confident than you, mostly because what Houston brought in from the transfer portal is is really really strong on paper, uh, and that starts a quarterback with Donovan Smith. I mean, he sure. was a starter at Texas Tech, and yeah, I mean, he didn't really lose his job for poor play. It was just you know kind of got beat out uh, by a guy that was previously behind him. But you know his numbers, his performances were great. He was a little bit inconsistent at tech. Uh, but I think, you know, fresh start, he's got talent around him. Um, I think he's going to be a, a really strong quarterback for Houston. And I mean, it just, you can go up and down this roster with, with transfers that they brought in that are super impressive. Uh, David Oguyobju from Oklahoma. I'm, I'm sure I butchered that pronunciation. Uh, but he's really good. They got Latrell McCutcheon transferred from USC at quarterback. So, I mean, they're stacked in like four-star, five-star type talent, right? Um, yeah. So I do have UTSA winning, but I think it's going to be a single-score game. And, uh, man, it's going to be a fun one. <laughs> it's going to be extremely fun. Yes, uh, you know, you, you've got Donovan Smith. And Dana Hogerson came out and said he's a clear-cut starter. He said this is Donovan's team, in fact. But – no, he was really inconsistent. 12 touchdowns to eight interceptions at Texas Tech. And, you know, we mm-hmm. talked about it on the defensive preview. The defense has to step up in their turnover game. Maybe they can get out to a hot start with that in week one. Grab a couple of picks on Donovan Smith with his inconsistency. And right behind him, you got you got an SEC quarterback in, in Lucas Coley, which he was Houston's backup last season. He kind of played mm-hmm. himself into that spot. He didn't start as the backup. But nevertheless, uh, 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 an Arkansas talent, an SEC talent coming out of high school, but look, uh, you just you're losing so much talent. This is a very inexperienced offense, not playing together. You know, uh, you got some young guys that really have to take enormous steps forward at wide receiver. Your running back is essentially by committee. We might see four different running backs come out for for U of H. So I think there's going to be a lot of inconsistency, a lot that need need to figure out on that field against uh, UTSA, and, and that'll work to our advantage. Well, a lot of 
inexperienced, a lot of Theranauk, quote unquote, also going to apply for the week two opponent. That is the hated Texas State Bobcats <laughs> traveling to Almodome for the home opener for the Roadrunners. It's going to be a rocking crowd season. Uh, sorry, this, the ticket sales already look great. They're moving fast. Uh, new head coach there and San Marcus, uh, a Jeff Trailer disciple, uh, if you will. King. Yes. And so San Antonio, San Antonio's very own too. Well, not very old, but from San Antonio, right? Went to Texas, went to San Marcus from San Antonio from uh UIW and Carnet Word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Offensive mind, offensive prowess. Do you talk about the transfers from Houston? I think the transfers at Texas State we really got to be scared of. And uh they're trying to figure out who that starting quarterback's gonna be, but you've got Malik Hornsby transfer from Arkansas, you got TJ Finley transfer from Ar- uh, Auburn. Uh, I mean, these are two SEC quarterbacks battling out for the top spot uh, in San Marcos. Dude, I mean, a little bit scary. Uh, I don't think too scared quite yet of Texas State. They're so heavy on the transfer portal this season, man. Well, the last few Mm -hmm. seasons, in fact. But, I mean, this is uh, more or less, I mean, a, a ragtag group of guys who have not played a lot of football together at all. And so in the same regard to the Houston game, there's a lot of figuring it out for Texas State. As far as the quarterback position goes, uh, from what I've gathered, it sounds like TJ Finley is going to be the guy. He's the Auburn transfer. Okay. Uh, I think they're going to find a way to get Hornsby on the field. Um, I saw uh, Keth, uh, who does an incredible job covering the Bobcats, uh, had a quote from Kenny kind of implying that they might use Hornsby and like uh, a wildcat kind of scenario like how the package for him it's more of a he's, dual threat he's, yeah yeah he, he's just so explosive as an athlete i think you know if you're playing on this level um he can he can find some success no matter how he gets the ball so one thing to look out for there um i, I share a lot of the same opinions um as you i think like they're doing an awesome job rebuilding this roster <laughs> it was yeah. just like i don't know it's been chaotic over there like even when they were hitting the portal so hard uh in the past like they had individual talents but none of those guys ever like really meshed together and like he could see, you know, flashes from any of those guys that came from power five programs or whatever. Uh, but it never like kind of translated into team wide play. So mm-hmm. I think they'll probably mm-hmm. be able to break that under Kenny, but I think it's probably too early in the season for them to kind of have that meshing point. Um, I think another thing to call out that's going to be really fascinating is they essentially took the entire incarnate word starting offensive line with them to <laughs> yeah. San Marcus. Yeah. <laughs> That's, so, that's, you know, that, that is very interesting. It's by far the largest offensive line I think Texas State's ever had. Uh, they, there's some beefy dudes, mm. but, you know, they are still FCS athletes. And I think some of the guys that Texas State lost in the portal uh, might actually be better than some of those UIW transfers sure. that are coming in. So sure. um, I, I'm looking to see how UTC's pass rush can get to uh, Finley. And I think that's going to be the biggest difference in this game to me, just the physicality there. You could transfer in a lot of talent. Jared, but how has UTSA been able to compile so many wins over the last three seasons? It's with a winning culture, and that culture takes time to build. And I'm very confident that G.J. Kinney can build that winning culture over at Texas State. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not scared of them this season, but in the subsequent contests that we have with mm-hmm. them, with Frank Harris gone and mm-hmm. UTSA throwing out some young gun quarterback and Texas State maybe having a veteran up there, maybe even – uh, PJ Hatter, my boy from my alma mater, yeah. Westfield High Tell School. Westfield, oh, boy, dude. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be a very scary I thirty five rivalry in the years to come. But this year, they're on the climb. They're still got it. They're getting it together. We yeah. still got it held down. 
this season. So yeah, big more, more to come on that in the future. I'm, I'm glad you're seeing the same things I am. Absolutely. All right, oh, absolutely. Let's keep it rolling. We're on to Army. And so we got we got we got two and zero right now on the schedule. Am I right? Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Win win for uh for myself as well. Home opener blew out. Let's go. All right, Army. Wow. Uh, for those that uh have kind of tuned out during the offseason, Army is reinventing their offense and they are abandoning the triple option, at least the traditional flex bone under center triple option. I know, I know it's sacrilegious. You have to question our country's military readiness when we can't get under center and execute <laughs> the triple option out of the flex bone. Well, this you know. has a lot to do with with rule changes to to blocking and cut blocks, right, Jared? Is that something? Yeah, yeah. Do? Dude, I don't know if I could like really encapsulate all this in five. No, minutes no, 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 no. I know. I know. But the Black Knights. But there's been some but rule yes. changes, and what the army has done so well behind their triple option is is cut block and essentially taking out dudes' knees. And uh, NCAA has essentially outlawed that, and so the army being being very reactive in their decision to change the offensive scheme. But we already saw flashes of a changing offense last year against the army who mm-hmm. set a program record for passing yards against utsa embarrassing we still managed to get out there with a win i don't think we're going to see the the big old 50 and 60 yard touchdown plays from army i think they're going to be a little more balanced a little more modest and trying to move the chains and get the ball downfield but it is a very very new look for the army and uh but to see the scariest thing about Army, in my opinion, still remains to be the defense. The defense is still mm-hmm. salty as hell. Mm-hmm. They only gave up 22 and a half points per game last season. Uh, I don't have the the UTSA point total right here in front of me, but you're not asking too much of your offense if all they got to do is put up three scores mm-hmm. and uh, and your defense will do the rest, right? So, look, it's, it's going to be, I think, UTSA's um, – First real battle, battle of the season is going to be against Army. Hmm. <laughs> I don't feel that, that way. I, 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 uh, I think they're going to really struggle this year. And I think it's going to be the uh, most convincing and largest win that UTSA has had against Army in the wow. series. Wow! Wow! You think they're going to struggle man, just that, on that's, offense? I mean, historically, you can look at any program that's transitioned out of the triple option, and they rarely have success ever. But that first year afterwards is just so hard, man. I I think they're they're gonna be in for a really rough go this season. Um, I think UTSA is gonna dust them pretty easily. You're also asking a lot from the coaching staff having to redo all of that, and and a coaching staff that's been running that triple option for ten years, right? Are they able to make those necessary adjustments? But I think the defense is still going to be a force to reckon with, though. Yes, I I, I don't disagree. The defense will be strong, but that change in offensive velocity does have a knock-on effect to the defense as well, because it's a lot easier to, you know, sit on the sideline for an eight-minute long drive and get rested and scheme up, you know, talk to the coach, you know, share what you're seeing out there and game plan around it. When you're coming off of a three and out in 45 seconds, well, probably not 45 seconds, in two minutes or whatever, because sure, sure, sure. it's not like they're going up-tempo. Uh, right. But they're going to throw the ball a lot more. Um, I do think that's going to hurt their defense a bit. So I think maybe it'll be uh, it'll be tough for UTSA's offense on a few drives, right? Army's defense maybe getting after him for a little bit, but ultimately UTSA runs away with it due to Army's lack of 
offensive ability to get downfield and get into the end zone. Yeah, I think so. And they lost a lot too. I mean, Tiger Taylor is a guy that just <laughs> feels like he scored like six or eight touchdowns against UTSA throughout his career. And then right. Andre Carter was their guy. I don't know if he ended up getting drafted or not, but he had 20 career sacks at Army, which is like absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> um, and then Markel Broaden, I think, had an interception against UTSA in one of the games uh, throughout his career. So uh, a lot of guys out of the picture. Um, I don't know. I just feel like this is going to be a tough year for Army. Okay, so 3-0, UTSA, going to Knoxville, the SEC. Wow, our very first SEC opponents is playing Texas A&M. And, dude. Has has UTSA played any SEC team other than A&M? I don't think so. Yeah, it's kind of weird, huh? It is weird. This will be our first out-of-state SEC matchup, huh? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Wow. So going to Knoxville is going to be a very, very tough place to play. Um, Tennessee, what can you say? I mean, <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be a hard pop bottle. You know, we we played UT very, very respectably last season uh, in Austin. I'm not sure if UTSA is going to have the same success against Tennessee as they had against UT last year. I don't think so. Man. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean, maybe we have like our moments here and there, but the scoreboard not going to reflect too much of it. I don't think so. This is the one game this year that I, I'm not really giving UTSA much of any chance, unfortunately. But I just so love to be proven wrong. But this is a really strong team, and uh, I really like their coach, Josh Heupel. I mean, they really this team should have been in the playoffs last year. They had a freaky loss to South Carolina. They lost yeah. like 30 points or something like that. Uh, only other loss was a two-score loss to Georgia. So, I mean, they probably would have gotten in if not for that really weird South Carolina game. So They're the 12th-ranked team in the preseason poll. Yep. Yep. Dude. It's no joke. It might be the hot – I mean, assuming they win in week one, uh, week two, I don't I don't know who their opponents are. Oh, wait, here it is. Uh, they got Virginia and Austin P. Oh, and okay. Florida. Okay. Mm. So, oh. yeah, I mean, I think they're going to be 3-0 coming to that game. They'll probably be sitting at, what do you think, like seven or eight in the polls? It's probably the highest ranked team that UTSA's ever faced, right? They'll be top 10. Absolutely. I think that's safe to say. We've never played a top 10 team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they're going to uh, – the Florida game might be potential upset situation, but um, I think they're going to cruise to 3-0 start, top 10 ranking. It's going to be tough, man. I think like UTSA will look good for parts, but um, yeah. I'm just, yeah they've, I'm they've, got that rare, they've got that rare week three uh, conference matchup huh, with Florida. Yeah. You know, are, 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 so, so, so are we going full on uh, UTSA is getting rooted, getting routed by, by Tennessee? Uh, like what is the score differential <laughs> that you've got in mind? Um, like 17 points, 20 points, something like that. I think that's pretty damn respectable against a top. Oh yeah, team. no, absolutely, absolutely. Is 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 it so hard? Because like I feel like that is a very realistic take, but people are so hyped up on UTSA right now that saying something like that can sound like it's being overly like negative. Big old knock. Like yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. No, I think that's respectable. I think come, you know, garbage time, fourth quarter, you're probably going to see UTSA starters come out of that game, kind of like you yeah. did against UT Austin, right? And. It is what it is, but it'll be the same case for Tennessee. Yeah, they'll be going on their second, uh, on their two and three deep as well. But um, right. <clears throat> as long as we put up a more commendable performance than Austin P, I think I'd be pretty happy with that. 
<laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, two names to know for UTSA fans. So there, there is a new starter quarter, starting quarterback this year for Tennessee. Um, Joe Milton, the third stepped mm-hmm. in uh, after there was an injury to their regular starter last season. Uh, Hendren, what, uh, what's his name? Hendren Hooker went down Hooker. and yeah, last season. And then Joe Milton stepped in and uh, he did pretty well, man. He, he went 53 of 82, 90, 971 yards, 10 touchdowns, zero interceptions. So a lot of uh, NFL draft types are really high on Milton. He's like super, super physically gifted. Uh, and he's got a crazy arm, dude. He can throw the ball a mile, but he's had, I guess, like some questionable, you know, passes and decisions made. Sure didn't show it last year, <laughs> touchdown zero interceptions, but that's kind of scouting report on him. So it seems like he's cleaned up a lot of those uh, dependencies. Brew McCoy, wide receiver, is the other name to know. Uh, he had 60, 667 receiving yards, uh, over 52 catches last year. Expected mm. to happen an even bigger year this year. So we've got UTSA coming out of conference or out of conference play. Three and one. The sole loss being to Tennessee. With the first power five win in program history, I keep forgetting Houston's in the Big 12 now. <laughs> well, we beat Baylor. That's true. Once upon a time. <laughs> Second. Second. <laughs> the Baylor, Baylor win hardly counts. That team was so miserably bad. <laughs> first power five win in the trailer yeah. era, for sure. Yeah. 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 It's taken longer than it probably should, but that's just how the curve crumbles. Well, I do want to shout out for a few board of trustees members before we hit a Cumbia break and get into the AAC Ooh. section of the schedule. Uh, these folks and all of our other Patreon subscribers were treated to some bonus content recently. We did a realignment episode talking about the Pac-12 situation that people really loved. Um, a lot of people said it was great to hear like just some real talk about the situation and not like this like kind of hysterical take on yeah, everything that's click, going down. Clickbait like, stuff. Clickbait, <laughs> clickbait, man. So much, like, shout out to OS Beaver on Twitter. <laughs> so much of the stuff that's going around Twitter is so BS. I mean, like, I keep hearing these things, like, these these schools have agreed to join this conference. It's like, they don't even have a TV deal. How can you agree to join a conference? You don't even know what the TV deal is. Um, but we, I feel like we kind of laid laid the cards out and kind of showed, you know, like, here's where things are at. Here here are the decisions to watch. You know, here's like some indicators of where things might be heading. And it's so relevance is, to UTSA and, it, and it's yeah, relevance yeah. to UTSA, right? The most important thing is, is bringing it on back home, right? Full circle. Yeah, and, uh, and they were also treated to some sweet, exclusive Alamo Audible merch, baby. So yeah, yeah. big shout out to the board of trustees, man. Yeah. So uh, I'm wearing our new staff polo that we just got made. Mm. I don't know if we're going to have a video clip of this or not. Staff uh, exclusive. Obviously, this is a staff exclusive design on the embroidery, <laughs> uh, but it's the same Adidas polo that we sent out to a board of trustees members. And Adrian and I got ours the same day. We're like, holy crap, like this is such a nice polo, man. It's like <laughs> it's got SPF protection for the tailgate. It's breathable, it's light, it's it's comfortable. Form fitting. Form fitting. <laughs> I look we all look very slender. Um I also had a uh blog post go up this morning that I researched for like three to four weeks, just freaking grinded, man. Unreal. Yep. Going through all kinds of documents and, you know, tax value assessments and board of regents meeting minutes, all kinds of stuff, man. Uh, just kind of with, with the goal of being like, okay, UTSA hit R1 research institution classification. They got access to research funding through the NRFU. What's next? on Taylor Amy's agenda 
and you know what what's being built on campus what are they fundraising for what are they trying to get you know financing for and uh i i'm i'm really proud of it i mean i, I really sunk a lot of time into it and uh it's fantastic like it. it's fantastic it's just, fantastic work yeah Jared you know, I, I had to toot our own horn but you just you're, no one else is doing this kind of coverage and it's a shame you would really hope that other outlets that cover you know san antonio business and stuff were kind of leading the way on this uh but you know if no one else is going to do it we'll do it <laughs> jared essentially outlines utsa's grand expansion you know through the taylor amy regime not only what's happened so far but what's happening next and uh yeah man you're talking about real estate assessments you're talking about tax dollars you're talking about hard numbers um it, it's it's a fantastic piece and i think anyone that has attended the university of texas san antonio is just bewildered to read uh not just about the progress but the plans and, and what's happened to the university from the time that we've been there and just such a short window man it, it's really really incredible the growth of utsa it, what has happened on the foot what has happened for the football team has mirrored on the campus uh, it's it's unreal yeah sy symbiotic relationship there for Absolutely. sure Yep. So definitely subscribe to Patreon. Definitely check out that stuff, that content. We'll keep it rolling. Uh, we try to do a bonus episode every week through the season. This week, this week it might be rough. I'm not sure if we're going to get to one or not. Uh, but we have all kinds of bonus coverage that you get when you subscribe. So thank you to our board of trustees members, DigiTeek, John Otwell, Lino Perez of Los Dos Rowdy Tailgating, Gary and Rupin representing the UTSA Bird Gang Tailgate, Ray Redding and Mimi Paparel. Uh, they had a great JT Clark shirt just dropped today. Of mm. half his face half the terminator mm. and of course those uh those profits uh go into jt's pocket as well help him out with his nil so definitely go check that out on their site meet 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 apparel.com shout out to brandon grill and the grill realty group andy ellis for fish and benefit solutions ian mcclinton and seeker llc and brandon padrone so thank you guys all for your support we're gonna hit a, we're gonna hit a quick cumbia break you can see that we need the break because we are trying to get through this in an hour and uh, we only did four teams so far. We got to do the whole rest of the schedule. <laughs> All right. So we're going to recharge or come back or go turbo speed. Let's go. All right, all right. Welcome back, Adrian. Welcome back, listeners. It's time to finish off our schedule preview by going through UTSA's conference schedule. Uh, but before we do that, quick uh, question I have for you, Adrian. How do you feel about a bye week being positioned perfectly between the Tennessee game and the Temple game to start AAC play? It's tough, man. It, it's a little bit early for my taste. You know, I, I like that October by week to really give the guys the break that they need. But look, we get recharged. We're going into the AAC for our very first season in there. So you get a little recharge so you can really like pave the way for this outstanding run. Hopefully we have really, really good health coming out of the out of conference schedule. But dude, by the time you get to Tulane after Thanksgiving break, You've had no bye week for eight weeks straight, all of October, all of November. And then, you know, if the heavens allow, if the football gods allow, 
a AAC championship game appearance the following week. You're talking about brutal, brutal mileage on those guys. But if anyone can take it, it is this veteran-laden UTSA team who has been through the ringer so many times and so many times again. Uh, all these guys are like, you know, diesel trucks with 300,000 miles on them already. You know, what's what's another 20K? What's another 50K yeah. going to do to them, baby? So, yeah, yeah, we can handle it. We can handle it. Yeah, well, first off is this uh, long road trip to Philadelphia. That's a road trip I'll be making. I don't know if any listeners are going to that game or not. If you are, hit me up. I, I'd love to hang out and meet. I, I don't know what the pregame situation is in Philadelphia, if they tailgate or what <laughs> up there, uh, but we'll figure that out. Big name to know. First thing to know about Temple, uh, Kurt Warner's son, EJ Warner. <laughs> true freshman starter. Came on the scene last year as a true freshman and, and played pretty well, man. He passed over 3,000 yards, yeah. threw for 18 touchdowns, uh, completed over 60% of his passes. So expect to see him take a big jump this year. And I, I think, you know, this team is probably going to go as far as EJ will take them. I think he's definitely uh, the standout to know here. That's solid. Yeah, I would agree with that. They'll, they'll go as far as EJ can take them. And, uh, you know, he's he's got to sharpen up that arm just a little bit. He threw 12 interceptions to those 18 touchdowns last season. And so a little bit of a wild card in that regard, but still young, man. And, and as he continues to grow at that position, I think you're going to see him become a little more fine-tuned with that passing accuracy. Uh, but look, uh, this, is, this is a Temple team that they struggled last season, man. They struggled. To, to put points up on the board um, and ended up finishing the season three and nine, one and seven in AAC play. And so I really don't foresee them being a threat to this UTSA team, um, but I think it's going to be a really good road trip. I think it'd be really cool for UTSA to get out there to Philadelphia. And uh, I think EJ Warner will absolutely have his, his, his star moments. I'm going to pick UTSA to win here, but it does give me a bit of pause just knowing how poorly UTSA has played on the East Coast throughout program history. Um, I didn't prepare this stat for this podcast like I wanted to, but I'm going to guess that their win rate on the Eastern time zone is like 30% or less. Wow. I mean, does that sound right to you just off the top of your head? Think about all those losses to Marshall. All those losses, yeah, all yeah, yeah. But you're talking about FAU. You're talking about a different era of UTSA. I know, I know. Under the trailer era, how we performed on the East Coast. I mean, the win against Memphis that essentially propelled this team to where they are now. Uh, The loss in the Cure Bowl was in Orlando. mm, I'm just saying. So saying, look, it makes sense, dude. But coming out of a bye week, these guys are going to be very fine tuned. And then you just lost on the East Coast at Knoxville uh, two weeks prior to that. So yeah, no, I I think I think it will be okay there. Yeah. Um, the, the thing the that scares point, me, okay, what scares what scares me is, is is UTSA going to play down to the competition level? Mm-hmm. They have a habit of doing that for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. That that that's something that is always sort of haunted this team throughout every they, coach's team. Yeah, they, they they play with their food a little bit. We've we've seen that quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. That's a good analogy. But the thing that puts this one over the edge to where I'm not so much going on I may be going on like hangover watch of like a slow start or something like that, but I'm not going on upset watch. Um is because I I I think like the middle of Temple's defense is What's the way to say this that I don't I don't get put on, you know, a temple podcast? Um, I think they struggle to defend the run. <laughs> um, and they get they get pushed around a bit. 
Yeah. And I, I do think the big bodies of the middle for UTSA, Vinley Tadafu and, and Terrell Haynes, you know, both uh, 330, 340 pounds. Um, and then, of course, Gaborian Barnes running behind them. Um, I, I think UTSA is going to run at a pretty high clip in this game, and that'll make the difference, even if they do struggle at uh, points of time. Yep. Yep. No, I think UTSA takes care of this one. Not a blowout, but handily. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Uh, woo, talk about a team that's changed a lot. The UAB Blazers in the uh, Alamo Dome. You know, Adrian, I watched uh, the highlight videos from last year's game the other night, and I was just like watching play after play get made by guys that are no longer in Birmingham. It was kind of surreal. Yeah, man. And now they've got a new guy at the helm. Uh, everyone knows him. Trent Dilfer. If they didn't know him for his NFL days, they sure know he's uh, made it for himself as a as a soundbite generator. Big time, big time. And and, and he's mentioned UTSA in those soundbites a couple of times as well. But this this is uh, one hell of a rivalry that's kind of organically been created between UAB and UTSA in, uh, in, in their quest. Well, their quest for the West back whenever, you know, CSA had its divisions and then, you know, going back and forth into getting a conference championship game appearance bid and some really, really dramatic moments. Uh, An extremely stout team. They're really, really mean on defense. They've always been really mean on defense. This is going to be a tough game for the Roadrunners to win. The thing that I like is... UAB is getting put through the ringer before coming to UTSA with a game against with games against uh, Louisiana, Georgia, and Tulane. Then they get a little break going against USF before coming down to the Alamo Dome. I do also really, really like that this game is at home for UTSA. Mm-hmm. I think that significantly plays into our favor here. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm just really fascinated to see how UAB looks this year. Um, they lost a lot, not only on the field, but coaching as well. And, you know, Trent Dilfer is a huge question mark himself, but his staff is right. super inexperienced. Um, a lot of guys mm-hmm. coming straight from high school ranks. Um, and then some guys that have just been analysts and, and haven't been that on-field role. So I don't know what to expect from UAB, to be honest with you. I'm not, like, expecting them to compete for the conference title or anything like that. But it's just like, are they going to be average or are they going to be bad? I, I, I don't know the answer to that right now. Neither would surprise me, but I do think UTSA is going to win this one. Uh, I'm super fascinated to watch uh, Jacob Zeno develop. You know, he's uh, absolutely, yeah, San Antonio kid, right? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, decently well in, in last year's matchup. He didn't like you know break the game open, but I thought he did a pretty good job leading that offense. And uh, uh, you know, for all, all the negative things that you can say about Trent Dilfer, I mean, I do think that he's going to be able to coach his quarterbacks up pretty well. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, indeed. I think, yeah, I, think, I think it'll be competitive, but I definitely feel comfortable picking UTSA to win at home. I agree. I think UTSA will will take this one. It's going to be a lot of progress from Jacob Zeno, but, you know, the, the departure of Dwayne McBride, I think, is really uh, what's going to hurt UAB. And don't get, me Brown, Jermaine, uh, don't get me wrong, Jermaine Brown is an absolute beast back there. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and they could give us some fits, but again, UTSA finely tuned, coming back home to the Alamo Dome. Uh, and, and 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 this offense is 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 really going to be a force to be reckoned with. I think just about every single defense in the AAC is going to have a very hard time with UTSA's offense. So yeah, give me give me a, a fun one against UAB, but one that UTSA ultimately escapes with. Yeah, that sounds good to me. 
Uh, next one, FAQ. Oof, kind of fascinating. I think uh, I'm kind of coming around on this one, maybe being an upset. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I have heard some people Dark say that, like, if you if you ran the numbers right now, like these two teams were going to play head-to-head on a neutral field, that FAU might be favored. Ooh. That's a hot take, but that's what I've been told by uh, by people with gambling data. Mm, well, Vegas never lies, baby. Their odds of winning the conference are like about the same as UTSA's, I think. Yeah. Like their win total 7.5, UTSA's is 8. Well, uh, oh, no, I take that back. Okay, like UTSA does have pretty, pretty better odds to win the conference championship, but their win totals are not. They're only off by half game, which is fascinating. I think it's important, you know, they, they, they've got a lot more experience than they've had. And Tom Herman is their head coach, you know, a name that's going to be familiar to a lot of a. I'm Texas a huge Tom Herman fans. fan, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Guys, guy knows how to win and, and build a good culture. And, you know, you're getting FAU here. Now you're you're in the middle of the season. So so teams are starting to develop their identity, starting mm-hmm. to know who they are and uh, hit that stride. Right. And. um Dude, they're coming off of some games that I think are going to be very winnable mm-hmm, mm-hmm. against Tulsa and against South Florida. And uh, if, if they can beat UTSA and then they go into Charlotte the next week, I mean, they could really be on a roll. Uh, it's it's a scary matchup. I'll agree with you there. But I don't think UTSA is dropping this game to FAU. I see this roster a lot like... Um... Or sorry, I see last year's FAU roster a lot of like what we said uh, with Texas State, and that there was a lot of individual talent, but they never just meshed well and played well together as units. But the difference between that Texas State team and this FAU team is they retained so many of those top players. That's like Larry, Larry McCammon went in the transfer portal, but he came back. They had a quarterback transfer in from Nebraska as well. Oh, Macy, how did I forget that? Yeah, so sorry. Yeah, my bad. Nikosi Perry did move on, but Casey Thompson, former Texas quarterback, former Nebraska quarterback, yeah, yeah, might have one other stop. There you go. He's a good player, man. He's a good player, and I think that he's going to do that thing that we saw from losing to Tech for like four years straight, where they go and get guys that were starters at Power Five programs, but kind of fell, uh, you know, fell behind on the depth chart a little bit, and then boom, they come back with a four thousand, five thousand yard season at their new school in the G five. Could totally see that happening here. So you're picking this as an upset. That's what I hear. I don't know, man. I, I could look really dumb in three weeks <laughs> with that take if I if I commit to it. <laughs> but I got to pick one. This game is on the East Coast, Jerry. It is on the East Coast. I know. Got to go to Boca. I know. They've got some good other transfers coming in as well. I got Jerry Morris from Texas State. He was good. I think this is a game UTSA escapes with but it might be the one that gives us more fits than we'd like, than we'd be comfortable with. But they're on a roll with wins over Temple and UAB. And then you got to go over to Boca to play this FAU team. And they got a lot of talent. They got a lot of seniors. You're really going to have to depend on that triangle to travel in this game. But I think we, I think we escape with it. Give me a win. I'm committing to it. I'm pulling this one as the upset. Woo! It might that's not what, age well. That's what the people want. 
but <laughs> yeah. Adrian and I can't have the same pick on every single game of the schedule. And I fear if I don't uh, zag while he zigs right here, that's how it's going to turn out. Maybe. Uh, so I'm calling this one the upset of the year uh, on the on the bad side of things for UTSA. But yeah, <laughs> I might look really stupid for this one. That's fine. <laughs> you got to stick your neck out sometimes. Stick it out, baby. All right. Well, let's move on to East Carolina, a team Carolina. that got absolutely ransacked by the transfer portal, unfortunately. Damn. Damn. Just brutal. They lose their running back. They lose a lot of key defensive positions. Yeah. Linebacker, cornerback with the BJ Davis and Rance Connor. It's really, really hard because this is a team that was pretty dang good last season. Um they went eight and four, uh, went, went eight and five. And most of their losses were pretty respectable, minus the loss to Houston, mm-hmm. where they really got routed. I don't know what happened in that game. I don't know if they had somebody injured. But this is a team that was really, really strong last season, man. And and I think without their roster getting completely nuked by the transfer portal, I would probably have this pinned down as a loss. Yeah, I think it's fair. Very proud program that knows how to win. Yeah. Uh, a lot of a lot of continuity in their staff. Mike Houston's in his fifth year. Mm-hmm. His offensive coordinator's in the fifth year, defensive coordinator in the fourth year. So they have a system. They lost a lot of their guys that would implement that system. But, you know, you got to think they're going to be able to work something out. I think maybe they're getting slept on a little bit. I've heard pretty good reviews of their new quarterback. Um, I believe Mason Garcia is his name. Yeah, you know, with all the continuity on the staff, a really, really strong team. And then, yeah, you got Mason Garcia at quarterback, but you lose so much talent on the top end of things. I think that's what's really going to make it difficult. And again, this is the middle of the season. Teams starting to figure out their identity. And I think ECU will have a really good one by this point. They're also going to be on a roll because, I mean, to be honest with you, man, the their 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 schedule the the first half of their schedule it's not too difficult i mean they they're they're going to be going up against rice they're going to have a game against charlotte before they play utsa smu might be a little bit back and forth but hell i wouldn't mind picking the pirates to beat that smu team so wow yeah i think smu's getting a little bit too much hype than uh, a little more hype than they deserve uh interesting okay yeah absolutely i wish i wish that game was on the schedule for us this season but I think UTSA escapes with this game. If anything, it's one of those where they play down to their competition level. They might give us a little more scares than we would prefer to have. But with all their departures, I think UTSA takes this one. Yeah, I agree. I think they're just going to find a way to out-talent ECU, um, which is kind of crazy to say because – been such a great program for so long but they just got hit really hard and um i don't know if they fully restocked that roster enough to make up for those losses so i'm with you here i think uh i think utsa will handle business in this one Mm. well jared back we go to denton texas where utsa has not won a game in 10 years well if they lose this one it'll be 10 years 2013, UTSA's sole win in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, if you include bowl games as well. It's the entire Metroplex, not just Denton. And uh, 
it haunts the hell out of us, man. This, for some reason, going up to South Oklahoma, I mean, North Texas, really, really screws with the psyche of this team. This is an early November game. I don't know how the weather is going to be out there, but we remember last time we played at Denton, it was cold, it was rainy, and UTSA did not even show up. Oh, man, I just I hate it. I hate it. And I know that this team, especially this current construction of the roster, has a really, really sour taste in their mouth for losing in Denton, Texas, for playing UNT. And we know some extracurriculars whenever these two teams meet up with each other. The real rivalry, maybe the best rivalry. And uh, man, dude, this is the one that scares the hell out of me. As 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 much better as UTSA should be than this UNT team. There's something about the psyche of playing UNT. And we beat the hell out of them last season. Don't get me wrong. And it was great winning conference title over them. But that also means that UNT's got a little sour taste in their mouth as well. I think it says a lot about this rivalry that they can fire their coach, uh, get rated really hard in the transfer portal, have a new quarterback, all the above, right? On paper, there's no reason for UNT to be any good this year. No reason for them to challenge UTSA. (laughs) But we know from experience that they probably will. They're going to find a way to play their best game of the year against UTSA. I have no Absolutely. doubt about it. No they will play it. their best game of the year against UTSA. And uh, look, there's still some studs on that team. You know, Rich Tejada, cornerback. Ayo mm-hmm. um, Adei at running back. They give us some fits sometimes. But losing Austin Ani, that's 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 really significant, losing Austin Ani at quarterback. For yeah, they did announce their starter today. It's going to be Stone Earl, who's an Appling Christian transfer. My impression of him is he's he's a bit of a gunslinger. I think he's got a little Dalton Sturm to him. I yeah, the more I think about it, I think it's a pretty apt comparison. Wow. So that'd be interesting. I was kind of expecting uh Eric Morris to pick Chandler, uh the ULM transfer. Is it Chandler Morris? Is that his name? Ch- uh, Chandler Rogers, rather. Excuse me. Uh as kind of a more steady, kind of like, you know, pass the ball around, you know, run this air raid offense kind of quarterback, but I think that uh, I think that Stone Earl brings a lot of thing, same things that like Cam Ward brought to you Incarnate Word when he was there. You know, big arm can sling it around, can make some plays with his feet. So I think Eric Morris wants to go for a guy that can generate a big play, and they're gonna put points on the board. I I have a full confidence about that. Uh, they got that full stable of running backs that are gonna be super talented again. Um, I just I'm super 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 question the defense that uh, they lost really the heartbeat of their defense. <clears throat> I would say, and, and Katie Davis, Larry Nixon. Yeah. Katie Davis, man. Yeah. Beast Larry <laughs> Nixon. That was, that was a really, really strong linebacker duo there. Right. And Katie Davis, freaking CSA defensive player of the year last season. And how about UIW? Just kind of just hanging around UTSA with the Texas state matchup, GJ Kinney. Mm-hmm. And now you got Eric Morris at the helm, taking over for Seth Luttrell that was fired because of a UTSA loss. I mean, yep. you know, the, the, the correlation is crazy with these two programs. And, and we always go into it whenever we get into actual game week previews with these guys. But um, it's going to be a scary game, but I just cannot fathom a world where Frank Harris and Jeff Trailer allow themselves 
to lose in Denton, to lose in DFW yet again. They've got to go and take care of business in the Metroplex. If they don't win this game, there is a serious curse for UTSA playing in Dallas-Fort Worth. But I think I, I, we've, I we've pretty much established there already is, but you know, you gotta, you gotta break it at some point. Gotta break the curse. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to pick a win here. I mean, it's always scary playing North Texas, always scary playing them in Denton for sure. But I think the team has a lot to figure out this year. Um, I think that defense is going to struggle. So I think they'll put points up and I think it'll be kind of a back and forth kind of contest, but um, I think UTSA will pick up a possession, uh, you know, here or there where they get seven instead of three. And, and that kind of adds up for, like a 45, 31, 33 kind of win, something like that. Give mm, me the point total. I like that. Yeah, you know, it's tricky, man. And this is this could very well set up as like a hangover game for UTSA too. You're coming off the back of a lot of wins going down the conference schedule, just making your way through October. Um, and now, you know, you, you've gone a month without you coming off of the bye week as well. So a little bit of wear and tear on the guys. UNT is a scary team, dude. They're they're a really, really scary team. I think they're going to give us fits. The only time I feel like we have really seen the UTSA team show up unprepared under Jeff Trailer was the last time we were in Denton, Texas in 2021. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just can't fathom happening it uh, can't fathom it happening sure. again. Sure. So give me the W. Cool. All right. The Rice Owls. It's kind of nuts that Mike Bloomgren is heading into his sixth year because it feels like he's been on the quasi hot seat for you know <laughs> three years now. Uh, Intellectual but, brutality, baby. Yeah, they they seem to still love him over there. New AD in town. We'll see if that changes anything. Uh, great hire to get Tommy McClendon as the AD. Uh, I love that. Super stoked for them. I think he's going to do great things there. Uh, but uh, to get to the point, man, I, I think there's still a pretty big talent gap between these two programs. Uh, we saw it on the field last year, man. It, I mean, UTSA made Rice look like an FCS program, which is strange because there were a lot of good players on the team and, you know, guys that went on to play elsewhere, you know, hopping in the transfer portal, like Brad, Bradley Rosner, I think is at uh, Missouri now. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, transferred over to Marshall, quarterback. <sighs> Forgot about that one. Yeah. Yeah, man. They're, uh, they're going to be tough. They still got Luke McCaffrey, a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. He was pretty good. But yeah, I think probably the biggest uh, storyline here is them getting JT Daniels as the mm-hmm. transfer quarterback. JT Daniels has played for nearly every program in America at this point. I think he's on his <laughs> fifth or sixth school or something <laughs> like that. Um, but I mean, I think he still has talent. I think he's probably not going to be like all AC, all AAC quarterback or anything like that. But Rice has shown that like when they have a healthy, consistent, average at best quarterback, they can be pretty good. Yeah, I, I think. Uh... Rice is really going to have a hard time in this AAC, man. Almost feel bad. But if they can maybe try to find a footing here, maybe they can rat off a couple of wins and, and have a respectable sub-500 record when it's all said and done this season. But one of those wins will not be coming against UTSA. Yeah, I'm with you. It's it's really hard for me to dream up a scenario where, where Rice pulls this thing off. It just... Like I said earlier, I think these uh, two programs have just different level of physicality, speed, um, that kind of stuff. So it would be pretty insane. Um, this is the part of the season, Jared. These two games right here, Rice and USF, that it is so crucial. It is so critical for UTSA to get these games right, to get out there with the starters, get those points on the board, and let those guys rest before yeah. the season finale going against Tulane. 
and get Frank Harris's backup, whoever that might be, and then get the twos out there on, on both sides of the ball to really let these guys kind of rehab and nurse themselves back to full health uh, before that season finale, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well said. Um, and I think we've seen UTSA do a fairly good job of that. I mean, there there have been some games where they played down in competition for sure, but um, I think they're going to do what needs to be done, especially for these home games for sure. All right, uh, USF Bulls, one of the worst teams in the country last year. Mm. No doubt about it. But I think they made a really strong head coaching hire, bringing Alex Golish from Tennessee. They've made a lot of noise on Twitter. That much is definitely true. <laughs> yeah, that is and, true. Uh, but yeah, you reminded me, Jared, this is a back-to-back homestand for UTSA against Rice and USF. I mean, really, the cards couldn't get any better. Yeah, you don't have a bye week, but you get a back-to-back homestand against... Yeah, I hate to say it, but bottom tier teams in this league mm-hmm. and you can still finagle your guys some rest despite not having the bye week. If you, you come out, out play there. the way that you're supposed to. You got to come out there and take care of business. You got to come out there and hit them hard, hit them fast, build out that first half lead. I'd say it's probably going to be harder to do against Rice than it is going to be against USF. Yeah, I can see that. I think a lot of the same things I said about North Texas is probably going to apply for South Florida as well. I think they've got a great offensive line uh, calling the shots for their head coach. Um, they got a really strong defensive coordinator as well. Todd Orlando is a guy that I've had yeah. on my short list to come to UTSA for yeah, a long decade. <laughs> you know, uh, So a guy that I have a lot of respect for from his time at uh, University of Houston. I thought he was really great there and you know, mm-hmm. he's been good at a, a couple of stops. Uh, but I think like they're just still in flux. I think this team's going to need some time to gel mesh, you know, institute their culture and all that good stuff. Um, so, there's, I mean, this team's going to struggle for sure, but I think they'll be greatly improved from last year. Um, I'm stoked to see Gary Bohannon play quarterback for him. Uh, he was pretty good at Baylor for a while and then kind of fell off a cliff. Um, so I, I think he'll have a nice little bounce back. I think he'll fit in well with their offense. Yeah, played seven games last season. I, I think they I do think they will bounce back significantly from how they performed last year. Yeah, this is like a foundational year for them. Mm-hmm. Like probably like a four win, five win kind of year. But you like That's leave it though. And you know, maybe that means they do play UTSA pretty close here at the end of the year. But I think if you're a Bulls fan, you're gonna come out of this season feeling pretty encouraged about what the future holds. One of those games where USF has nothing to lose, right? Oh, yeah, and, uh, for sure. They can really get out there and throw themselves around against UTSA big time. Right, right. Yeah. Yep. Well said. But neither of us are going to pick the outside here. <laughs> and then we got to go to NOLA. Ooh. Game of the year by far. Oh, my goodness. I'm so I've locked nervous. in my travel plans. We're bringing the family with us for Thanksgiving. We're going Let's to go. NOLA. Man, this is like one of the most anticipated games in program history for me. <laughs> uh, very, very much fair. If if everything goes the way that it is supposed to, this will be, uh, man, game of the century for UTSA, man. I mean, this is huge. This is so significant. And, I mean, yeah, it's the first year in the AC and you want to have that success, but, but this is like a really true head-to-head, even matchup with these two teams, man. Like, Tulane and UTSA, both senior-laden, 
both extremely good track records, both coming off of unbelievable 2022 seasons. Uh, I mean, like it's, it's so scary. I, I, I don't feel like I've been so nervous for a game in August as I have this game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is, it's like, it's for all the roses too. I mean, like it, for everything. it, the most likely outcome is the winner of this game goes on to the AFC championship game. And, and you know, I don't want to say probably host it because uh, SMU has a, like a super crazy easy schedule. So if they win a lot of games, you know, they're, if they're good, they've got a good chance to go undefeated in their conference late. But I mean, this is like essentially a play in game uh, <laughs> potentially for the playoffs <laughs> or, uh, or I guess just the new year six bowl. New I don't, I don't know if you do. I mean, obviously if Tulane like runs a table that they'd probably go to the playoffs, but uh, definitely for that new year six bowl or new year's Eve bowl, excuse me. And it's going to be strength on strength, man. You got an amazing quarterback coming back. Michael Pratt, Michael Pratt. Yep. 3000 yard season last year and a 27 touchdown to five interception ratio. Mm-hmm. The guy is freaking crispy with that ball. Yeah. They, they do lose a pretty considerate amount of production, but I think bringing Pratt back, bringing back a pretty good amount of the offensive line, I think they're going to have enough talent to make things work. Um, they got Yul Keith Brown coming in from Texas A&M. Really highly touted receiver. That should be a, a difference maker for them. And uh, they've got they've got talent at running back too to replace Ty J Spears, who uh, was an NFL draft pick in the third round by the Titans. So this team's gonna be really good. I think the biggest question mark for them is like uh, that front seven. They lost. They a lost ton, a all ton. of their I mean, line- pretty much yeah all of them all of them. all their linebacking core is pretty much gone. And that was a defense that held opposing offenses to just 22 points per game last season. Mm, yeah. Nasty. Really, really nasty, man. I and really like what they, they wouldn't grab Tyler Grubbs from Louisiana tech out of the transfer portal. Huge fan of his. I got to see him up close to Louisiana tech. So I think he's going to step in right away and be a, a, pr- a pretty good player in this league. But when you lose that much uh, production all at the same time, it's really hard to, piece that all together without like a veteran leader to kind of, you know, show the guys the ropes, if you will. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, my question, Jared, for you is. And whatever, for lack of a better word, cupcake for their cupcake schedule throughout conference play. Does that work against Tulane having to go up against UTSA? Do they get too comfy too cush? With easier opponents, they haven't really had to prepare for a, a true head-to-head team that can that can give them their money worth and, and punch them in the mouth. I feel like you could say the same thing for UTSA, though. So I don't know if it really makes a difference. I'll say this, though. If FAU does end up being better than expected, like I think they will, Tulane has uh, a road trip to Boca Raton the week before UTSA. So if they do end up being in that kind of that top three, top four uh, group of teams in this conference, I think that's a much tougher draw for Tulane to come off that game uh, than UTSA coming off of Rice and USF. Definitely so. They might have a little more mileage on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And they've got to travel. Oh, what's to, your pick, man? They've got to travel to East Carolina before they go up against Tulsa on their road trip before that as well. Look. 
I think this game is going to be really, really hard for UTSA to win. I'll be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I could see a scenario where UTSA and Tulane have to play each other in uh, back-to-back weeks. Absolutely. And them splitting. I don't think that these two teams play two times and the same team wins both games. I do not think I can. I can agree with that. Yep. And so for the sake of UTSA, being able to win the conference championship game, they have to lose this game this week. Does that make sense? Does my does my rationale make sense there? This reminds me of the 2021 season where UTSA laid that egg in Denton Oof. so then they could bounce back and win the conference championship against Western Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I think kind of, like that's kind of what I think you're trying to get at, right? Oh, I wanna, I'm not going to say they're going to lay an egg in New Orleans. Okay, oh, yeah, 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 fair, fair. But but like sometimes you get stronger because of a loss. That's right. And I think this yeah. UTSA team is going to be riding re- really high going into this game. I think they're going to be ready to play, but I think Tulane is going to outgun them down there in uh in Uptown, in Uptown Nola. And mm-hmm. so give me the loss for UTSA in the regular s- season. Give me a rematch and a win in the conference title game. Boom, 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 boom. I'll take man. I, I I might want to agree with you. Only thing for me is I think SMU might get that other spot because mm. like their schedule is just so easy, man. Like yeah, talk about cupcake they, schedules. Yeah, it, it really is. Yeah, so I I feel like if UTSA does get upset by someone early in the season, they lose to Tulane. They're probably not going to the championship game. So I don't. De- I definitely see that scenario that you're talking about. I think there's a really good chance of that. But I'm also picking the loss. Just because, I mean, the same as UTSA last year, like the champ is the champ until proven otherwise. And Ooh, that's just I love I that. About, that's just how I feel about Tulane. I mean, like they've got a really strong team, really strong roster. They lost a lot, but they do retain a lot. Um, so it's just, it's really hard for me to pick against them. And it's at home, it's in New Orleans. So uh, probably going to be a sold out game there. I don't know, man. It's it's really tough. It's really tough. We'll see how this plays out. But for me right now today, this is a loss. You got to understand like how good Tulane was last season. This is the same team. Like, yeah, UTSA was really damn good last season. It's the same team. But this Tulane team beat Cincinnati, beat USCF, beat USC, beat Houston. Kansas State. Like, if you give the 2022 Roadrunners the same schedule that Tulane played in 2022, <laughs> we don't go 12 and 2, buddy. No, no. Hell we'll go, no. we go to bowl game, but I don't know if you I don't know if that UTSA team knocks off a Cincinnati, a UCF, a USC. That is nuts, brother. Mm-hmm. That is nuts. That is three ranked teams in a row. I mean, sure, one's a bowl game, so you had a break there, but still, nevertheless. And they beat the same Houston team that UTSA lost to. They beat a good well said, man. I mean, I, I I think that is like the final point that we need to get across. It's just like there's there's a different level that Tulane accomplished last year. And I know you can look at the record and it looks like they had similar seasons and stuff like that, but the strength of schedule is just 
drastically different. The so. strength of schedule is drastically different, and you'd be kidding yourself as a UTSA fan to think otherwise. This this is this is a completely different level of competition that Tulane is having to play this season from what they ran the table with last year. I mean, this is like, you know, Floyd Mayweather in his latter years just taking fights just for the money, just 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 punking guys down there, right? Uh, scoring points easy, like Tulane, and and I love that analogy that you make. You got to beat the champ to be the champ. Tulane right now deserves all the respect in the world. When you look at what they were able to accomplish last season, you try to put UTSA in those same shoes. It's a completely different outcome. So mm-hmm. you got to respect them. Uh, Tulane wins this game. I think it's a great game. I think Tulane wins mm-hmm. it. And I, I won't say they they beat up UTSA, but Dude, I, it's going to be a slugfest, man. It's going like, to be a real slugfest. Absolutely. I, I do feel like fairly confident. In, in my pick of Tulane, but I also think that this is going to be like last possession or two. Both teams are going to be ranked. It's going to be on Friday Whoa. on ESPN. Whoa. I mean, so many eyeballs on both programs. Both teams are going to play well. I just think Tulane has that better edge and um, be eating the leftover stuffing, baby. Leftover pecan pie. For those of us that don't make the Nola road trip, that is, you'll probably be uh, at Felix's shucking oysters in the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the edgy fade. the banana foster yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. so however jared you know you bring up uh, the slugfest and and it reminds me of you know utsa having so many slugfests on their route to back-to-back conference usa titles these last two seasons enormous slugfests that happened for utsa to win back-to-back conference titles throughout the regular season and then in those play-in games and in those conference title games but but all of those great, crucial, game-changing moments where UTSA showed up in the clutch and had these unbelievable plays on offense to score, to get downfield, you know where all of those plays happened? In the Alamo Dome. Yep. In front of a home crowd, indoors, with no weather conditions, with everybody screaming and cheering for the Roadrunners. The, the, never one, had... the one counterexample I can think of off my head was Clarence Hicks diving interception to end the Western Kentucky regular season game in 2021. But all the other magical moments since then have all been in the Almodome. There you go. There you go. There you go. And all the other magical moments were on offense. Mm-hmm. And so we haven't seen that slugfest on the road and UTSA come out on top of it. We certainly haven't seen it against an opponent like Tulane. Hmm. Interesting. Oh man! What a somber note to end on, picking a loss. <laughs> so I've got UTSA at nine and three. You've got them at ten and two. It's another ten win season for me, baby. You better believe it. I think even if they go ten and two, lose to Tulane, don't make the AAC championship game. That's uh, still arguably. <clears throat> I mean, you you play for the the ring. Don't get me wrong, but that's still arguably the strongest season in program history. You still go to a respectable bowl with a respectable yeah. opponent. And uh, man, that's such a good consolation prize out there for UTSA. Like if they do not win the conference, get in that first bowl win for Frank. It'd be so sweet. And if they could do it against a respectable opponent, it'll still carry a hell of a lot of water for this university in the in the national landscape size. Mm-hmm. Right. Even with the loss to Tulane to not yeah. make the AAC title game. Yeah. 
Unfortunately, and, and it, the bull the bull tie-ins in the AAC are not much different than the conference USA. Than the conference USA, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. So, I, yeah, I want to try to prepare people for that when you know there's going to come a time that we get matched up with I don't know San Jose State and the New Mexico Bowl, <laughs> and people are like, "What the hell?" <laughs> yeah, I think I think McMurphy had a slotted for the New Mexico Bowl on his predictions already. So hey, what do you yeah. do? But yeah. you got to get that first one somehow, right? And the, so and the I'll, holy I'll try- take it against anyone. I don't care. The holy trifecta of the double-digit win season, the conference title, and the bowl win. Oh, it's escaped us these last two seasons. It might escape us again. It might escape That's us again. Hard to do, man. It's not that, that, that it escaped us. It was damn near impossible, man. Yeah, it is very, very difficult. And look, you never know, man. If if Tulane can get upset earlier in the season, maybe against the Memphis. Yep. Something like that. You never know. You never know. Maybe these two teams do meet in in the dance down the road. Uh, if 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 uh, Tulane has the tiebreaker over UTSA and, and SMU does what they're supposed to do against their cupcake schedule, but again, another reason why I think SMU is getting so much credit is because their schedule is so damn cupcake. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, I, I think whichever team comes out of that Tulane UTSA, assuming that's how it plays out, winner of that goes to championship. They face some face SMU. I think either of those teams are just going to mash. SMU. Oh it my gosh. Ugly. Mismatch. A mismatch. Yeah. yeah. And leave it to SMU to blow it. Leave it to SMU to screw it up. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's kind of been like a bit of their history as a program. Like they, they have not delivered on hype. I mean, how many times have they been ranked and then lost immediately the past couple of years? So it would, it would make a lot of sense for sure. They got to go. Oh man. Against- not think about it. There's a really good chance that the AAC has three teams ranked in the top 25 in November. Wow. That's really man. exciting. Well, I mean, they gotta they gotta finish their schedule at Memphis and then against Navy at home. That those aren't gonna be easy games to win. And you never know, dude. UTSA goes into Denton and wrecks North Texas. North Texas has to make that crosstown trip the very next week with something to prove to the Metroplex now in the AAC. With they've their... had something to prove to the Metroplex for a hundred years, Adrian. I'm not buying that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, CJ, clip that. <laughs> I don't want SMU in the title game. Gosh. Damn, I wish we would have had those bastards this year. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't get them for many years if they're still in the AAC. But sounds like scared what the money. championship game is for. Sounds like scared money if you ask me. But that's okay. That's okay. It's okay. Well, Adrian, we went over on time, but not by too much. I think we did a pretty good job of getting through these teams. Uh, we're pretty close in our prediction. F- the FAU upset is a stretch for me, admittedly, but I think we did a good job. Yeah, we did solid, solid, solid scene preview for sure. It's it's hard, even after back-to-back CSA titles, back-to-back double-digit win seasons. It's still really hard to predict a double-digit win season, bro. It is, like man. it's it's crazy, dude. I uh, one of those like stupid like clickbait Twitter accounts like is farming for engagement to get Twitter blue payouts. Uh, they had UTSA like ranked fourth in the AAC power rankings and like winning eight or nine games. And I was like seeing people flame that account. I was like, dude, that would be an amazing season. Like we are so out of whack. We are with expectations. Like people think this thing's going to be easy. Um, and it's not, man. I, I, an eight one season could be a great season for UTSA, just depending on how things play out with injury and, and other teams' performances and stuff like that. So I, I really hope that the fan base at large will kind of, pump the brakes a little bit and just, you know, realize that this is a harder schedule. Um, it's a harder conference and 
it's not going to be the end of the world if UTSA does not win 10, 11, 12 games in an AAC championship in their first year. Jeez. The short-term memory of, of the fan base is, is, no kidding, is man. pretty unfathomable. But yep. look, it's really difficult. And, and if you guys need more information, look, we already previewed position by position the offense last week. The week before that, we previewed position by position the defense, who both Jared and I have as our X factor in determining UTSA success is if that defense can take the next step to get to that elite level, to be a shutdown defense, a fearful defense in the AAC. And that's going to determine a lot of how our season prediction just went today. So we shall see. We shall see indeed. Yep. Well, let's wrap it up with thanking our big money donor sponsors on Patreon. That includes Ben Tovar, Rick Cortez of Rowdy Road Grillers, The Bunch Family, Second Better Quetta and the San Antonio Podcast Network, The Fikes Family, Alejandro Benavides, Dan Nerdall, the host of Around the Birdbath, mm. Jacob Cavazos, board president for the UTSA Alumni Association, Maddie and Mandy, and Homefield Apparel, where you can use discount code utsa Home homefield to get 15% off your first order. So thank you guys all so much for sticking around for a long episode. And we'll be back next week for game week to preview the Houston Cougars as UTSA <laughs> begins their 2023 campaign. 